What adaptations and adjustments are you going to make when the weather does not cooperate? That's the topic today with Temple Rhodes. Welcome to Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve podcast, where you get a guaranteed return on investment of your time as we cut your learning curve with the information you can apply to your farming operation immediately. Extreme Ag, we've already made the mistakes, so you don't have to. Managing your farm's water resources is a critical component to a successful and sustainable farming operation. Advanced Drainage Systems helps farmers just like you increase their yields up to 30% with their technologically advanced water management products. Visit ADSPipe.com to see how they can keep your business flowing. Now, here's your host, Damian Mason. Hey there, welcome to another fantastic episode of Extreme Ice Cutting the Curve. I got Temple Rhodes on here and I asked him a question. I said, hey, you're having a bad spring. Uh, we're recording this first week of May and he says, Damian, we've just gotten six inches of rain. He says, I'm at least a week out. And you know what, if it stays cold and we keep getting this rain, then I'm going to be another week out after that. I've got to start looking at adjustments that I'm going to make because this is not the same thing I planned for a month ago. You might have the same issue. Let's face it. Spring is always a difficult and challenging time or generally has been a lot of, you know, the weather throws a lot of curveballs at you. So what adjustments do you make? Because the corn of the soybeans that you're planting May 20th very likely have a different set of needs than the corn and soybeans you're planting May 1st or certainly April 15th. This is the reality of farming. You've got to be nimble. You've got to be adaptable. You've got to make adjustments. Temple is that guy. All right, Temple, you even told me, hey, man, this is, this is I'm a little stressed, but also I got to be making a bunch of adjustments. First thing you do when all of a sudden the weather shuts you down. You told me before we hit record, you got most of your stuff planted, but there's 750 acres that are still untouched. You don't want to screw those up. 750 acres is nothing to write yep. off. You know, if it was like three acres in a low field, yeah, you know what? It might just be wildlife habitat. 750 acres is a lot. You've got that much yet to go. Tell me what you did first when you said the weather ain't working out. So the first thing that we do is when the weather turns bad on us, we we pull the planters in, we take them back to the shop, and we go over them with a fine-tooth comb because that last little bit of acres that we're doing um, is usually, for me, my irrigated so that's where majority of my focus is you know i'm not saying that we can make mistakes on our dry land but we try to pound in our dry land get it done get it up get it going and then we try to pay a little bit more of attention to detail uh on our irrigated crop so you know planters are back in the shop we've gone back over them with a fine tooth comb try to fix every problem on them so then that way when we get back in the field we can we can go and we can get it in in a timely manner. So you know, the other thing, yeah, go ahead. Let's sir. talk about the planters first off. So you bring in the planters and you say, all right, they've already been through a bunch of the acres, the bulkier acres, you know, whatever, two yep. thirds, three quarters, four fifths, whatever. But that doesn't mean that you can say, oh, well, we're going to just, there's no reason to just patch it along because you maybe have a week. So in that week's time, are you fixing stuff that maybe got broke or are you going to rearrange or change any of the, uh, precision aspect of it because now you're going into a little different soil conditions and a little different temperature conditions and timing. In other words, are you changing the depth of seed? Are you changing the way you apply stuff? Anything? Are you making any fundamental changes to the planter setup? 
Sure. So we, I mean, we're not really making fundamental changes. I mean, maybe we found something that we've been limping along with. I'll give you a, for instance. So um, a lot of different mixes that we're using, we're having a little bit of trouble with, you know, our stainless steel orifice disc, right. That we, we pump fertilizer through. So we, you know, I struggle with mine. Alexander struggled with his. So what we did was, is I said, we're not doing this anymore. We pulled the stainless steel disc out. So yes, I am doing some retrofitting there. We're using an orifice tube where it's the whole size is bigger. Um, so we're using that right now. We changed one of the planners over that because one planner wasn't having trouble with it. So we changed one over. So here's the thing. That's correcting a problem it's not necessarily season specific. You just said, I'm sure you probably sitting there getting through a bunch of your acres saying, you know, if we get a rain out, we're going to change mm -hmm. this. It wasn't point. It wasn't because we're now two weeks later and there's that change. That's a, that's a correcting a problem. Are there any changes you make because we're heading into different soil conditions and timing? You know, I'm thinking, I remember the old story, the guy down the road that, uh, you know, the season was shaping up like, uh, you know, the summer of 36. So he, he remembered that year and he planted stuff deeper and he changed his population. And this is, you know, going back a while. In other words, he was going on his historic memory of when yours were like this, here's what I wish I had done. Do you do any of that? I mean, sure. It all plays role, but it's more of a, you know, we're just kind of going over the planners with a fine tooth comb, making sure that we're going to get through, changing whatever needs to be changed on it, whether it be a bearing or something that's got a little more wear than not. Yeah. More so what we're trying to do is like we're, we're, we're worrying about like, am I ready for the next step? Yeah. Like, am I ready to, you know, let's talk about two different things. So let's talk about the corn that's in the ground and the beans that they're in the ground and that that they're up and they're running. So we've got a crop that we need to worry about. So what stresses is that crop going to go through one? And am I ready for it? Do I have all of the, whether it be micronutrients or fungicides or PGRs or whatever it may, you know, some kind of stress mitigation um, products. Do I have all that stuff in stock? Let me think about that. Yeah, right, Let's right. see how many acres we've got. And let's see what we're, we're going to need to do. I'm combining all of that with watching the weather. Like, okay, we know we had this rain event. It's cool. It's wet. Um, those plants are going to struggle, right? So we want to make sure that we get them out of whatever funk that they're in. But then when you take the next step, like I'm looking, you know, let's say that three days from now, I'm ready to plant. I'm looking at the 15-day forecast. Things starting to warm up a little bit. Well, a lot of things that I put in furrow or in my tuba too, um, when we were planting in early April, I'm not necessarily going to need them as bad. You know, I'm, I'm, I expect a couple of things in early April. I expect cold weather, I expect wet, and I expect plants to struggle. So there will be some things that I put in there, whether it be a micro pack, PGR, whatever it is, yep. I'll put things in that, that I know for a fact that I'm going to, you know, 90% of the time I'm going to have trouble with. Now, if the forecast 
out, you know, 15 days from now when I'm getting ready to drive the planters back in the ground, if it looks like we're going to have, you know, really warm temperatures, ground's going to dry out, there would be some things that I pull back from that because I know I'm not going to get a return on that investment. So yeah. why put it out there? So really, are we talking then like uh, stuff that is that helps, I guess, in stress mitigation when it's going mm -hmm. in early and you're like, this seed might lay around in cool, moist, wet soil for a long time. That's where the stress mitigation products matter. And you're saying, if all of a sudden it's third week of May when you're planting this last part of your farm, you can just back off of some of those because it shouldn't be uh, stressed at early stages. Exactly. So let me give you a for instance. So when it's cold and wet, and you know it's disease it's going to be disease prone you know you're prone to get all these diseases in it so i'll put in you know let's use preax war for instance so i know cold wet temperatures you know we're going to have some fusarium some pythium um so i'll put you know a, a fungicide in that'll yeah. take care of that specific problem well from going here forward i know that the, the temperatures are supposed to warm up after this weekend and it looks like we got a really good stint of weather i can pull back from that i don't need that you know we also feed a ton of magnesium and manganese in there those two things um I'm not going to say, I've said it before, but I'm not going to say it's sunlight in a jug, but mm. it does help the plant at an early stage. You know, I won't need that as much in late May as I did in early April. Right. So some of these things I can pull back from, and then there'll be some other things that I might up, I might increase, you know, so it's kind of a juggling act. And it's really about watching the weather and seeing what, what's coming up next. You know, you and I talked about it many, many times, you know, about being proactive versus yes. reactive. This is me trying to be proactive. So you bring in the planners and go through those. Sometimes it's making a few little tweaks that is going to be because your season has changed. And oftentimes it's fixing the thing that maybe was a little bit off during the early season. So it's kind of an, it's actually a welcome reprieve. A weather break is a welcome reprieve for that reason. You know, damn, yeah. if I have a weather a weather stall, I'm going to be able to correct some of these problems. So it helps you there. But then also, each day that it's, it stays wet and you're not getting those crops done, do you get do you get stressed? Oh yeah, uh -huh. I'm absolutely <laughs> freaking out. So I mean, I'll give you like my biggest stress period is this. So planner sat still for four or five days because there was two weather forecasts out there right so the one weather forecast that they were calling this was right prior to this big rain we got one was a half an inch to an inch of rain which i'm not scared of i would plant it right up you know to a day ahead of it but then they started talking about you know temperatures are going to drop and that scared me a little bit and then the very next forecast that was coming out and they were kind of going back and forth that we could see cool weather on top of three to five inches of rain <laughs> and that scared the hell out of me yeah, right, so right. we stopped the planner stopped we brought them back put them in the shop and the most stressful time that i had was those four days yeah. were the most beautiful days to plant the entire year there was just enough moisture in the ground ground was worked up it was pretty i mean we could have went in there and just I mean, floated them through there. It would have been awesome. But if 
we ended up getting six inches of rain. So we made the right move. And I'm, you know, I went and looked at corn this morning and mm. beans, you know, everything that we planted, it's all spiking through. So I'm, I'm happy with what we did. Yeah. But you, um, your, the stress came stopped, in that, but it's your, your stress came in that you're like, I pulled off based on what was coming, but we don't, it's not a guarantee that it's coming. So then you're hanging around saying, well, I pulled mm -hmm. off because I didn't want to plant into six inch rain event, but it wasn't just a half a day that you pulled off. It was several days and you, you're sitting yeah. there stressing about lost productivity. Yeah. So, I mean, and all of us do, you know, I would love to be planted up in, in April and the first part of May, but it's not going to happen for us this year, you know, but you can't throw good money at bad money, you know? No. So you just, you have to make the best decision that you have. You like, you know, and just, and if I, and if I lost on this deal, which I've lost on this before, where we've sat back and, you know, and, and, and held up, held up, held up, and we didn't plant and other guys were planting and we only caught a half an inch or an inch of rain and that crop of theirs looked beautiful. And I was like, Oh, now I'm even further behind, you know? So I'm like two weeks out behind. So yeah, it stresses me out, but you can only do the best that you can do with the information that you have at your hands. Here's the thing, uh, that past the stress, um, do you hit the panic button? I mean, I know that there, you know, growing up, there'd be times when it never got dry. So then, you know, literally they're mudding in uh, a crop. I looking back, think that's probably a pretty bad decision. Do you, uh, do you ever hit a panic time where it's like, it don't matter. We're going to get this done. Sure. That's when you need to join a support group like extreme ag. Cause I can't tell you how many guys in the stream ag I called and said, man, I'm sitting on the sideline. Am I making a mistake? And they all like, they want, they talk me off the fence because I was in straight panic mode yep. until I started calling them. They're like, man, you're, you're doing the best that you can do. Like take a chill pill. And it's hard to do. By the way, uh, you and me are not what you'd call chill pill types. We're kind of no. we're kind of high energy. We run kind of hot. Yeah. Uh, you know, that four days probably felt like a year um, because I know that's how it would be for me. Um, answer me this then. To change up, you've already decided you're going to reduce some of the products. Are there other products you're going to add because of what the conditions look like? In other words, you backed off on a couple of things thinking you don't need it because by the time this when time it's go time again, you will have a different set of soil conditions that maybe you don't need some of the stress, you know, stress mitigation products or whatever. Do you add anything? Is there anything that gets added for later planting than you would have used? Before? I don't, I don't really add anything. I might just take away because like that early season deal uh, for us, that's where it is packed with everything because I'm trying to alleviate yeah. every problem yeah. that i know that i'm going to have i really just take away my next decision in you know in this time frame that we got this going on remember i talked about you know we have a growing crop out there and i need to worry about that as well so some of my focus goes to there you know you know one you know like i said did we stop in, in time of the rain event Two, what am I going to be putting in that next pass to try to be proactive instead of reactive? You know, our next side dress pass or my next herbicide pass that might have some foliars in it. You know, great time for a product like, you know, you just mentioned it, um, Terramar. 
you know, on our herbicide pass, we'll probably add something like that to relieve a little bit of that stress because that plant that's out there growing right now, it's in a huge amount of stress because it's going from a seedling where it's sucking all of its energy off the seed, yep. where it's going to turn into roots, where it's going to try to get all the energy out of the root system and it's going to suck in something else. So it goes through a little funk there anyway. A need to figure out how to alleviate, alleviate that stress before it starts going through it. Okay, about practices, um, I'll just kind of think of some examples here. I, I've I've been involved in you know, neighbor farmers, guys I keep up with that I've helped. Season got long because of weather problems. They had no intention of doing a tillage pass, but by the time they got in, weeds were a problem prohibitive problem because yeah. it was three weeks later than they anticipated getting in the field and then they had to actually scramble and do some spring tillage is there anything like that from a practice standpoint that you've ever had to change oh, oh yeah so you, you'll get into a situation um out here you know i do it you know other guys do it you know you just can't get ground quite right to get, to get you back in the field and getting going, you know, and people use these vertical tillage tools where they go out there and they kind of break the crust off at, you know, a, a, you know, an inch deep, inch and a half deep, you know, sometimes two inches deep and they do a really good job of drying out the ground, but you, you, you can't beat mother nature. Right. And, and I'm not saying that vertical tillage tools don't have their place, but our problem is, um, me especially, I get in such a big rush, I overlook the, the little things, and when you go out there and you run a vertical tillage tool, even though you're only going an inch and a half deep or whatever, you're not doing a lot of tillage, you just add a compaction to your to your ground. Yes, the top one inch and a half is really, really, you know, it. you fluffed it up, you warmed it up, you dried it out, and that's all great, but you just ran this really heavy piece of machinery with your big tracker yeah. across the field, high horsepower, because we're all pulling them, you know, 10 miles an hour. Yeah, right, 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 much right. done, you know, and oh, it, oh, well, they, there's, they a, do there's a, a fuel component at 10 mile an hour. Yeah. By the way, there's a fuel component and there's a time uh, value of money component. But the other part of it is I, I'm glad you answered that way. Um, I'm, I'm of the camp that we still do too much tillage in North American agriculture. And, uh, and, and that's, you know, there's going to be people that disagree with it and they're going to say, Hey man, you're the host. You're not the farmer. Okay, fine. That's fine. But I do know this. I read something really funny. It was from more of a soil person that said, you know, what we used to call vertical tillage, an inline disc. <laughs> What's the worst piece of equipment yeah. for compaction, a disc. And, you know, I remember when I was in soil judging back in the 1980s, First thing they do when they build a highway is bring in a big offset disc. So, you know, if you want to pack yeah. down something like a highway, start with a disc. So I agree with you. So you're telling me that you, even if the soil conditions need something, you don't think that going out there and running a piece of equipment at 10 miles an hour, that's essentially just a, a, a light disking is the way to go. Uh, no, I mean, vertical tillage tools are just, I've, like I said, I've made this mistake. I've added compaction to my soil. I've seen the problems. I've, I've trying to get past them. Um, nothing beats uh, waiting on mother nature. You can't beat her. We've seen it too many times. And then and what if we try. do have, what if, what if we do have in the next two weeks, it's warm enough 
and it's certainly wet enough, and you have just an amazing amount of weed and vegetation problem, do you just drag the planter through that weed and vegetation problem then? You're saying, I, I think it's well, better to not till? Yeah, you do. You know, everybody has got good no-till um, setups on their planter. So yeah. I will, I'm, I'm not going to go out there and make that turbo till pass, that vertical till pass, whatever you want to call it. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to put my row cleaners down and I'm going to let them do their work and I'm going to deal with the problem that I have. You know, vertical tillage tools are very, very good at get, helping get rid of some residue and mix some residue in the ground. They're not made to dry ground out and get you in the field faster, but we've all done it. I, okay. the worst one for it. So, yeah, right, right. Um, and you don't need more. So you, you learn from it and that's why we have you on here. Okay. So other practices, I'm just thinking, do you, do you then change planting depth? Do you set up the planter in any way different? I know I asked you that before. I mean, if it gets to be, you know, two weeks from now, which you think is already, you know, now is go time, you're two weeks past prime. Is there anything you, you're changing way of the planting practice? All, all planting practices are changed in the field as we're going. You know what I mean? Like, let's let's take, for instance, I'm trying to plant two inches deep, maybe two and a quarter inches deep. If it gets drier and, um, you know, the conditions for the next 10 to 15 days look really, really favorable, I might drop it down a little bit deeper. If the conditions while we're in there planting looks like, you know, five days out, six days out, we could get a really big rain event. I might shallow it up to an inch and three quarters. You know, I might take some pressure off of the planter. I might take some pressure off of the closing wheels. There's numbers, numerous things that we're going to do, and we're always adjusting that, but we're only going to make those adjustments while we're in the dirt. Yeah, right. I got it. So let's just, and I know we're saying hypothetical because right now the reason you're on here recording is because you have, you have uh, time. If you were, if the weather was ideal, you'd say, Damien, I'll talk to you later. Um, population do you do you change population as we get later in the season i'm assuming yes <clears throat> i i do somewhat i don't i don't do a lot of that i do more of that in soybeans than i do in corn um our corn acres are kind of our corn acres you know our dry land we back those numbers down because we know that we're going to deal with heat we know we're going to deal with drought out here where we are cecs are really low our organic matter is low so at any given day, we're three to five days away from our worst drought ever, right? Yeah, right. So that's our dry land ground. Our irrigated ground, we, we do fairly well with that. So our populations stay high on that. So we're somewhere between, you know, 37.5 and 42,000 plants per acre. So we kind of put, but that we can't really go over that. I've tried to go over that. And, and there's just no return on that investment. So we try you're to saying as, as the season gets later, you would consider adding more, but there's no payoff for doing so. Yeah. Um, you would increase so population. You I increase just, I just increase population on irrigated. I don't increase it on anything else. You like my dry land. We treat one way the irrigated. We treat another way. Dry land always gets planted first. Irrigated gets planted last because that's where our biggest bang for our buck is soybeans are very different oh, wait a second um, let's go back to that question right here you save irrigate and a lot of people don't have irrigation i, I think i read a stat okay. that like 20 i think 20 percent of the acres are irrigated well obviously when you start thinking about places where they they would have to have irrigation you go to western kansas whatever your part of the world you don't have you probably are right there but 20 percent of your acres are uh, well, irrigated 
Um, we're probably a little hit. Well, yeah, that's probably about right for us. Um, the further east you go away from me, the more and more it becomes uh, guys over that way. There's a lot of guys over there that are almost 100% irrigated. Um, right. But we need it. Yeah. So when the thing about you, you save your irrigated acres for last. And is that because you think if they get planted late, the irrigation will make up for the season and, and, and still give you a big yield. That's, that's one of the things. And I want to make sure that I'll get every last seed out of the ground perfectly. So mm -hmm. I look for that absolute perfect window until I move the planters in the irrigated ground. So that's what, so just imagine like, um, Kelly's out there in the ice cream state. So he's, he's got good ground. He's going to push his potential because he knows he can, he's got a tremendous amount of potential. That's how we treat our irrigated, our dry land farms. We just don't have the potential there because we know we're going to go through, you know, a fair amount of heat, but most certainly, you know, a, a drought of some sort, and we just don't have the potential there. What product have you added in the last couple of years specifically because of these situations specifically like you're like hey the one thing that i never used to do and if i'm going in late because the weather's shut my planters down i'm going to be sure as heck to use this anything um i will sure as heck always use pgrs in furrow and in my first herbicide pass hands down every time because I need that thing rocking and rolling. It's yeah, hard growth regulator because it it's it, the benefit is root development. Yep, exactly. Got it. Um, is there anything else now when uh, we're titling this adapting when weather shuts the planter down? Um, we talked about you having to have your support group, so that's the mental and emotional yep. part of it. You talked about bringing the planters into the shop and doing them one, you know, fine, you know, the fine tooth comb. Then you talked about looking at the products that you're not going, they're going to remove from the mix as we get later in the season. Uh, population you said remains roughly the same. And then uh, you just talked about uh, the products that absolutely go in. They're, they're, they're important early season. They're even more important late season, like a plant growth regulator. Is there anything else about adapting to when the weather shuts your planter down? I think that's about got it covered, Damien. What a great deal. All right. His name is Temple Rhodes. He's awesome. He's uh, he's uh, an eastern shore of Maryland kind of a farmer. I'm going to be at his place August 22nd. August 22nd is his field day, and I'm going to be there because I haven't been to his place yet, Chestnut, Chestnut Manor Farms as it is. Um, if you want to attend one of our field days, you know, you can, you can register. We've got one uh, May 10th at Chad Henderson's in Alabama. Uh, we've got one in Iowa at uh, Kelly Garrett's on June 22. And we got the one in uh, Maryland with uh, Mr. Temple here. If you want to take your learning to the next level, remember, you can become a member where you get invited to a monthly webinar that Extreme Ag has where we go in depth with discussion and questions that you can ask. And also you'll have access to video that nobody else sees. That's becoming an Extreme Ag member. It's only $750 a year. It's very, very cheap and easy. And you'll get uh, that much reward and value out of it for sure. Um, stay tuned. Share this with somebody that can benefit from it. And if this season is working against you, now you've got some strategy and some ideas from Mr. Temple Rhodes on how you adapt when the weather shut down your planter. Thanks for being here, buddy. I appreciate it, buddy. Till next time, I'm Damian Mason with Extreme Ice Cutting the Curve. That's a wrap for this episode of Cutting the Curve, but there's plenty more. 
Check out ExtremeAg.farm, where you can find past episodes, instructional videos, and articles to help you squeeze more profit out of your farm. Cutting the Curve is brought to you by Advanced Drainage Systems, the leader in agriculture water management solutions.